to everyone listening to this uh, Sunday school message, Sunday school lesson for this week. Uh, I'm sorry you got stuck with me a second week in a row, but there won't be a third week in a row. Uh, But to all you listening, God bless you. And uh, if you haven't been to church yet, we are thinking about you always, praying for you, and hope you're doing well. Uh, Let's pray, and then we'll get into our lesson. Dear Lord, you are faithful to your people. Uh, the lessons that we've been studying remind us of your greatness and your faithfulness. And uh, we just thank you for that. You are a God who has always looked after his people, has always made provision for his people, always provided for his people. Uh, You showed your faithfulness at its height when you sent Jesus Christ to die for us, uh, to take the place of us. We should have been there. The wages of sin were death, but from you we are given eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the things that you're doing now in our lives, in our church. Uh, Lord, uh, many people listening to this have anxious hearts and are worried, uh, especially during this last week, the things that have been going on. Uh, Lord, just remind us that you're in control of all things. Uh, there's nothing that happens that you don't see. There's no power uh or anything that is too strong for you to overcome. You're the great God of the universe, and there's no one like you. Help us to always remember that. Be with us as we set our lesson today. Use me uh, to your service, Lord, and uh, I pray that the people who hear this message might learn more about you, learn more about your redemptive plan. In Jesus' name, amen. This week our lesson is Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49 is a very long chapter. Uh, Verses 1 through 13 of Isaiah 49 tells us about how the Lord is going to accomplish salvation through his servant. Um, It is a continuance of what we studied last week. We saw uh, in Isaiah 42, the Lord tells us about a servant who will come from him who is like him. Uh, who will bring justice and establish justice upon the nation. And here in Isaiah 49, the Lord says that he will use his servant to be a flag post of salvation that will extend to the end of the earth. That is verses 1 through 13. In this lesson today, I would like to pay special attention to the second half of Isaiah 49, uh, verses 14 through 26. If you have a Bible, follow along with me. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, Isaiah 49, verses 14 through 26. But Zion says, The Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders hurry. Your destroyers and devastators will depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All of them gather together. They come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you will surely put on all of them as jewels and bind them on as a bride. For your waste and desolate places and your destroyed land, surely now you will be too cramped for the inhabitants, and those who swallowed you will be far away. 
The children of whom you were bereaved will yet say in your ears, This place is too cramped for me. Make room for me that I may live here. Then you will say in your heart, Who has begotten these for me? Since I have been bereaved of my children, and am barren, and exile, and a wanderer. And who has reared these? Behold, I was left alone. From where did these come? Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations, and set up my standard to the peoples. And they will bring your sons in their bosom, and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Kings will be guardians, will be your guardians, and their princesses your nurse. They will bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick the dust of your feet. And you will know that I am God. Those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. Can the prey be taken from the mighty man or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? Surely, says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty man will be taken and the prey of the tyrant will be rescued. For I will contend with the one who contends with you and I will save your sons. I will feed your oppressors with their own flesh, and they will become drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. And all the flesh will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. The second half of Isaiah 49 uh, shows us promises from God uh, for future blessings for the people of Israel. This lesson, uh, just like last week, can be divided into four segments. The first idea that is seen in this text in uh, verses 14 through 16 is that the Lord does not forget about his chosen people. Verses 14 and 15 remind us that the Lord does not forsake his children. He uses mother-to-child-like language to help us understand this truth. While a parent is not perfect in their obligation and relationship with and to their child, the Lord is perfect in his relationship to his children. Think about how near to a mother her child is. For my mom, I mean a great deal to her, or at least she tells me that. And she backs it up so well with her words and her actions. Uh, But that doesn't mean that my mom is a perfect mom doesn't mean that she's done everything correctly uh, and that she's always done what she's supposed to do. And no matter how great your parent is, your parent has not been perfect. There's only one perfect person in the world, God. And uh, all of us are uh, sinful humans. And in some way, our parents have failed us. They have not been perfect. God uses this to show us that even though a mother, a parent is close to their child and their child is very dear to them, they won't always be perfect in their relationship to their child. He contrasts this by telling us that he is the parent who will always be faithful and never forget his children. He will never fail his children. The book of Isaiah, especially this latter portion, shows us that the Lord will always deliver and come through for his chosen people. The Israelites felt that God had forgotten about them. And in this verse, he reminds them that he has not forgotten about them, that he has not uh, thrown them away into captivity for them to stay there forever. He is the God who never forsakes nor forgets his people, no matter what is going on in the world or what's going on in their lives. Verse 16 shows us that the Lord is constantly thinking about his people. 
God knows his people and he pays very close attention to them. To be inscribed upon his hands, as verse 16 says, means to be a constant reminder to him about our needs and our situation. It further proves that the Lord is always mindful of us. The walls that are mentioned in this verse further shows us that the Lord sees all difficulty that we face and all of the oppression and the trouble that faces us. There is nothing we go through that God does not see, that God is not thinking about. He knows all things that go on in our life. The second thing we see here in the lesson, verses 17 through 20, is that the Lord will bring increase to Israel. Verses 17 through 18 show us that they will experience a bride-like excitement. The Lord begins by telling them that the builders and destroyers will depart from them. He goes on to say that you will put them on like a bride's jewelry. I sometimes do this thing. I'm a single man who likes to dream. Uh, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, and occasionally a video from someone's wedding will pop up on suggestions. I don't know why it's in my suggestions. Occasionally, I will watch these videos because I am one who lives with hope. Uh, And what always happens in every one of these videos is that it seems to be the apex of the pre-wedding ceremony process is after the woman puts on her dress after getting her hair and her makeup done, there's always a piece in the video where she's putting on her jewelry. It's always the finest jewelry that brings everything together. She puts on her dress, she gets dressed, and her parents come in the room and they see her with all this on. And what makes her outfit come together is the pieces that she wears with the dress, her jewelry. As the wedding dress and the pure excitement of the day already brings this excitement to the air, the jewelry that she wears brings everything together. In the same way, wouldn't it bring it all together for the Israelites that the same people who oppress them then become under them, topping off the redemptive plan that God is about to bring to Israel? But also, verse 19 shows shows us that they will be free from oppression and control. In this new land, the people who brought pain and affliction to them would not be present. You know, in elementary school, uh, every year I went to the same school uh, from kindergarten all the way up to 10th grade. And in my elementary years, we had to do this art assignment. I was never a fan of art. I'm not a I'm, I'm not an art guy. I'm not. A, I'm, I, I'm very bad at imagining things. And my third grade teacher, I was in second, first or second grade, and she said, "Chris, you really have no imagination." And my response is, "I know." Uh, but we were given this one assignment every year in elementary school to draw up our own utopian society, and everybody had different ideas of what their utopian society looks like. It is a world where you can create your own idea of what is the perfect world. And every year we did this assignment, I can't tell you what any of mine looked like because it's so far in the past, but I always remember this assignment because it gave us an opportunity to think about what a perfect world would look like. For the Israelites, this is what God is putting in front of them. He's showing them that you will live in this type of utopian society that you don't create, that I've created for you from the very beginning. 
And friends, for us as New Testament believers, we don't have to dream about some utopian society. There, For us, our society that, that we're going to has already been created for us. For the Christian who believes firmly in Jesus Christ, there is a world, there is a heavens, a heaven created for you by God. And he said in John 14 that he went to go prepare this place for you. And that when you leave this earth, those who are in Christ will go live in this land that is free from the troubles of this world. It's a highway to heaven that only the pure in heart can get to. Friends, if you're listening to this podcast message and you don't know Jesus Christ, you will not see this land. For the Israelites who had hardened hearts and did not believe firmly in in God the Father at this time, they were not going to see this land. They weren't going to be delivered from exile. Friends, in this day, if you want to go to heaven, you have to trust and believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior. That is the only way you'll be delivered from this world and go to heaven. But if you don't believe that, you will go to hell. What we see also about this land that they're going to is that it's full of positivity and optimism. That's what verse 20 tells us, that that there's a... There's this vibe of positivity that's there where they're going. Uh, the return that's coming to Jerusalem would be so big that they believe they didn't have enough room for all the people who were coming with them to that land. He says, the place is too cramped for me. Make room for me that I might live here. There's this, there's this optimism in the air that when the Lord delivers his people, they will live in happiness and freedom in a way that is opposite of their lives in the present. The freedom they will have will be something like they have never experienced in their generation. Moving on, the the other thing we see, verses 21 to 23, is that the Lord will execute judgment and deliverance on Israel's behalf. Verse 21 shows us that the Israelites will experience unbelievable redemption. What they will experience will be so amazing, it leaves them with questions of how can this po- how can this be possible? It's the question asked in, in verse twenty one. Where did this come from? It's God is laying out the plan, and it's Israel sitting here asking, "Where does this come from? How is this going to be?" Uh, and and this is and Isaiah the Lord is trying to show them his plan, and it's so big, it's so amazing that. They're amazed by his plan. He he further goes on, verse 22 and 23, to show them that the oppressors will become their servants. Beyond what they cannot believe, the Lord adds to it and shows them that the people who were once over them will serve them. This is not only proof of how much the Lord loves Israel and desires to deliver them, but also of how the Lord can wipe away any power structure, any hierarchy that stands in opposition of him. That is still true today, friends. There is no government official, no oppressor, no persecutor, or no agency that can stand in the way of God. As we saw in last week's lesson, there was no idol that would be able to stand up to him. And this week's lesson shows us that there is no king or president or power structure that can keep us from achieve, keep God from achieving his glory through the deliverance of his people. But finally, the last part of this uh chapter verses 24 through 26 
shows us that the Lord will save and redeem his chosen people. There is no power that can keep the Lord from redeeming Israel. Verses 24 and 25 show us that. He continues to drive in the point he's made, He's already made in verses 22 and 23, that there is nothing that can keep him from accomplishing his plan. Please understand that even in the world we live in today, where it seems like we are living in the most chaotic, the most demonic, the most oppressive times as Christians, there's still no election, there's no pandemic or any law that can keep us, God's people, down. There's nothing that can stop the Lord's chosen people from bringing glory to His name as He has prescribed for us to do. But also the last verse, verse 26, shows us that the Lord's redemptive plan will show all that He is the Savior. There seems to be some type of doubt coming from Israel that God can do such a thing, that He can really deliver them from the situation that they live in. God in this text tells them that He not only is able to deliver them, but above that, He will deal with those who held them captive. And by His work, all will know that He is God. God is God, and there is no one like Him in all the earth, and He is going to show everyone that. He will be known as their Savior, and He will be known as their Redeemer. Not only will He show that, He is still showing that in our world. God now, through Jesus Christ, is the only one who can save and keep us. There is no one like God, and because of that, He is worthy of your trust. He that believes and trusts in the Lord will have everlasting life. And that is something we should remember all the days of our life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you have taught us in your lesson, in this lesson that that teaches us more about you. Uh, Lord, let us uh, have faith in you as the day goes on, the days go on. Let us have faith uh, that you are our Redeemer, you're our Savior, and you're the only person who can deliver us. Remind us that there's no power or anything that can keep us from your love and keep us from... Uh, living out the plan that you've already set in place. Be with us. Keep us safe from everything that's going on in our world. Keep us focused on you uh, in the days that come. In Jesus' name, amen.